Hello, you are listening to the OmniTalk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Firework, SPS Commerce, and Sezzle. All right, headline number four, Anne. According to The Verge, when I, that's my favorite thing to always say, Anne, according to The Verge. Not the of, band, not the no. 90s band. Yeah, well, that's The Verve, right? Or is there a oh, verb? Yeah, too? it is the verb. It oh, is the verb. Man. I always oh. think about those. I always think I do too. Verb. I was just gonna make a verb joke, but yeah. You, but yeah, wow. All right. I just trumped you on music. That never you happened. You did. You did. Um, according to the Verge, DoorDash has launched new features that provide guaranteed hourly rates to its drivers. Couriers will now see the option to quote earn by time, end quote, which offers a guaranteed hourly minimum rate for the time they spend making deliveries. The time clock reportedly starts as soon as a courier accepts an order and ends when it's dropped off, all of which constitutes a big shift for DoorDash, which previously had couriers earning a base pay based on various factors about an order like time, distance, and desirability. And this was one of your headline picks this week. Why? Why in the world did you want to talk about this? Because I think that (laughs) this is going to cause a lot of impact for retailers that I don't think many of them are thinking about right now, especially when it comes to the labor shortage and what's happening um, right now, just to try to get people working in stores um, when you're competing against an already very competitive gig uh, economy. Now, one thing that I I read in researching this, so according to Engadget, um, apparently, yes, apparently by July 12th of this year, In New York City, uh, delivery apps will need to start paying their couriers in the city a minimum of $17.96 per hour plus tips. Mm. So that may be a a part of what's driving DoorDash to make this move across uh, their platform. But I think what what the impact is here is now what you're guaranteeing or offering, they don't have the DoorDash delivery drivers do not have to go this route. But what you were able to do is guarantee a, a base pay for those those DoorDash drivers, which is competitive with working at, you know, an Albertsons, a Walmart, or a Target. Like now you're able to do that, but in a gig pick when I want to work, how I want to work, where I want to work. Uh, in it, that gig economy. And I think that you're going to start to pull re- pull that talent away from the typical retail jobs that are already having a hard time getting filled. And I think that secondly, it requires retailers to start thinking about investing in this technology, whether they're going to go the way of like flex work platforms, like we heard from Lidl mm-hmm. this week, whether they're going to go the route that Schnucks took, where they're starting to build their own yeah. tech in-house to try to allow this kind of like flex work that we're seeing, mm-hmm. Or if they're going to go after one of the multitude of tech providers that are out there that are enabling flex work for retailers. So I think it it's going to be an area where retailers are going to have to start to invest in, like what we were talking about early on in the show, where it's about, you know, how are you, how are you reducing shrink? In this case, it's how are you thinking about the future workforce that's going to operate your stores? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I hadn't thought about the, the the angle that this will push the retailers themselves to figure out how to make their jobs more flexibly uh, available for the workers as well. Like that's that's a great point. I mean, I think for me in a nutshell, I don't have much to add, but I think it's just more evidence that these types of jobs are are highly desirable for people because of the flexibility. And now even more so because of the, st- the increased stability and pay that you're going to get from this move. So, right. you know, like you said, if you can control your shifts versus having to, to work when Target or Walmart or some other mall-based retailer tells you or dictates you to you really when yeah. you need to work, 
why the hell would you choose that option? I mean, it just makes no sense. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be more pressures on, it's also going to mean more pressure on wages, I think, until legislation steps in as a counterbalance, you know, to, to what's going on here, which, you know, people have talked about a lot, but I don't see that really happening either, Anne, because it's not going to be popular with the voters. The voters aren't going to want legislation. They're going to want the gig economy to continue to be fueled because it gives them the flexibility in their life that they want. So right. I don't see that. So I see that happening. So your point is dead right, which, like I said, I hadn't thought about until you, you just brought it up. Like, yeah, the retailers are just going to have to respond. They're going to have to figure out how to make their jobs more flexible. But then that comes into conflict with much more established rules and regulations about how people need to deploy their workforce in those type of environments. So legislation is going to have to come in here somewhere. It's just a question yeah. of where and how, I would guess. And are they 1099 employees? Are they W-2 and you're guaranteeing wages? Right. Like there's so much that comes into this that, right? yeah, I don't think retailers are even, they haven't even gotten there, Chris. They're yeah, still I mean, trying to trying to figure out what they're going to do about Prime Day coming up, but they're not. Yeah. I mean, this, this is like, this is like, yard yard 50 of the marathon you know right. the 26 miles like this is crazy but um all right let's all right. close out the show with the last one